everyone. So welcome back to Around the Table, our podcast for redemption women. My name is Dina. And I'm Caitlin. We're in week two, if you're following along with us in our study, Lord, Teach Us to Pray This Season, which is confession and is so appropriate since today is Ash Wednesday. Yeah, so perfect. The day we recognize our brokenness and what an appropriate day for us to be talking about confession and just to be thinking back on why that has mattered so significantly, even before there was the cross. Mm -hmm. Even We're going to look at David's life this week, but confession has always mattered mm-hmm. in our relationship with God. So Yeah. So last week we looked at the life of Jesus and his prayer life. And then this week you can't talk about prayer without talking about David and the Psalms that he wrote. He wrote so many of the Psalms and all of them I could just speak out loud in prayer and they give me words mm-hmm. that I sometimes just don't know what to say. And confession is one of those times where I feel like uh, sometimes I just don't know how to speak this out loud. I don't even want to say it out loud. And I love starting with David's confession because it helps give me words for my own confessions. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the other cool thing about going all the way back to the Old Testament is that confession has been such a big part of God's story from the beginning. You Mm -hmm. know, in the Old Testament, there are these tangible things that will teach us someday how to understand Jesus on a more spiritual level. And so there are these sacrificial systems that were set up way back in the days of Moses. Mm -hmm. And it's always been interesting to me that there's several kinds of sacrifices, but the first sacrifices are always for atonement. They're always a sacrifice of confessing sin that is either intentional or unintentional. And that sacrificial system of starting with atonement then allows you to go to the next sort of level, which is thanksgiving and offering praise. And, you know, when we've made our relationship with God right by Mm -hmm. being forgiven, then we can offer our sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving. And then the last sacrifice that, if you look at them in the order that they're given, Uh is this sacrifice where we get to actually sit down and eat with God. It's called a peace offering or a fellowship Hmm. offering. But everything starts with confession and atonement way back in Moses. so Yeah, way, way back. What's so interesting is I've been reading in Hebrews, and in Hebrews 10, 19, it says, because we have the confidence that we get to enter that holy place, and that place that you're talking about where they had Mm -hmm. to go atone for their sacrifice was this holy place that they actually entered with great fear. Like a lot of times they would put a chain around the ankle of the priest as he went in because he could die. Right. And and only the high priest could go in there. uh But before he could atone and offer sacrifices for the sins of the people, he had to offer sacrifices for himself because he went in as an imperfect mediator between the people and God. Hmm. And so he would go in, he would offer up his sacrifices and then go in and offer up the sacrifices for the people. And he was probably terrified if Mm -hmm. so many priests went in and died. I mean, that is a scary, scary place to be. But in Hebrews 10, it says, we get to enter into this holy place, not in fear, but in full confidence because of the cross. Right. Because Jesus, our high priest, was a sinless sacrifice, a sinless one that went in for us. He didn't have to atone for his own sins because Mm -hmm. he was sinless, but he went in and paved the way so that that sacrifice, that forever sacrifice allows us to know that we are always promised forgiveness Mm -hmm. when we confess. 
you know, if we confess our sins, First mm-hmm. John 1, 9, he's faithful and just to forgive. And we don't have to worry about, was my high priest good enough to take my sins mm-hmm. to the Father? You know, because it was Jesus. Yeah, and we so. have this great high priest that lives forever and ever. But because of the cross, we get to enter in with confidence. So when we come in with confession, we're not entering in as like, okay, God, here's my sins. Yeah. Are these too many for you? Because none of them ever are. We get to enter into this full confidence. And something that's so interesting to me is we're looking this week in confession in um, Psalm 32 and Psalm 51, and 51 is David's full confession. Mm-hmm. And maybe we should back up and kind of tell the story behind the confession. So Dina, do you want yeah, to talk a little a good bit idea. about that? And it, it's so interesting that even though David lived in the time of those sacrifices mm-hmm. and before the cross, he still knew that his confession could be brought before God and he could obtain mercy and forgiveness. Hmm. You know, I love that. But yeah, so we're talking about David, who was the king of Israel, Mm -hmm. who had a lot of power, a lot of fighting power. He had men that fought and led in battle. Mm -hmm. And there was a time, a season when kings went out to battle, it says, and David had stayed home and saw a beautiful woman, Hmm. Bathsheba, taking a bath on the roof across the way and called for her and committed adultery with her. One thing led to another. She became pregnant, and when he found out, he called for her husband to come home. He thought, well, maybe it's early enough. If he goes in and sleeps with her, maybe he'll think it's his kid. Mm -hmm. Um, But because he was a faithful warrior, he wouldn't go in Mm -hmm. to sleep. And eventually David sends him to the front lines of the battle, and he's killed. So David Mm -hmm. commits adultery, tries to cover it up, and when that doesn't work, he ends up committing murder. Hmm. of this man, Uriah. And so that's where he's coming. And he speaks this confession. But something that you told me really even put this confession in kind of a wider lens. It gave it even more weight to me. It was something that you found in 2 Samuel 23 about Uriah the Hittite. Right. So it's so crazy because, you know, we hear Uriah's name. He's Bathsheba's Mm -hmm. husband. As we read this story, at the end of David's life, It's 2 Samuel 23. It's David's last words. Then there's a list of these men that served David at a very high level, Mm -hmm. these warriors. There's 37 in all. Mm -hmm. And it lists them by name and says what some of them have done. And the very last one says, and Uriah the Hittite. Like Uriah Mm. was one of his guys, one of his trusted warriors. It wasn't just a random man who was married to a beautiful woman that lived across the street. Mm -hmm. It was somebody that was loyal to David and that David depended on. Yeah. Um, and I think that made, must have made it more personal. It made it more personal Absolutely. to me when I read his name. I thought, oh, yeah. David, you knew him. Yeah, and so you can understand even more the like, anguish that he has. And he even says, like, God, I tried to hide this from you. Yeah. And he comes and he realizes, I, I can't hide this from you. Like, how can you hide anything from God? God knows every thought we have even before we think it. And he tries to hide this from him. And you just feel this anguish that he has as he's speaking it. But something that really stands out to me as you're reading Psalm 51 and Psalm 32 is he says in both those chapters, he starts with it in 51 and he ends with it in 32 about God's steadfast love. That's a phrase that I started noticing come up in scripture a a lot, a long time ago in scripture. Um, When I was in college, I just read it and I kept seeing over and over in scripture, God's steadfast love, God's steadfast love, God's steadfast Mm -hmm. love. 
And it is attributed so much to God and is said so much to God. And one day I really should just go and look up how many times you see it in the Bible because I started underlining it in my Bible because I saw it so much. And so so he comes to this confession and he says it both times, God, you're a steadfast love. And he knows and has full confidence even before he knows about the cross Mm -hmm. because he lived in the time before the cross, but he knew God's love was steadfast. Yeah. He understood God's mercy. He mm-hmm. knew that there was a way for sin to be atoned for. Mm-hmm. And even though it was clunky and it required sacrifices and animals and priests back then, mm-hmm. he knew that the heart of God longed for people to be right with him and for yeah. sin to be forgiven. Yeah. yeah. you know, He knew that the animal sacrifice didn't change his, didn't take away his Mm, sin if his heart wasn't there. Because he says, I know that it's not the sacrifice, it's my heart you're after. Yeah, a broken and contrite heart. Yeah. Yeah. And he knew that God has this steadfast love and jealous love for us, and he ultimately wants his, our hearts. And he said, what use is a sacrifice if I, if my heart isn't repentant Mm -hmm. and isn't confessing these sins and isn't ready to turn back to you, God? Yeah, it was so good. I also loved in chapter 32, just how, you know, he talks about, I tried to hide my sin. Mm -hmm. I tried to not confess it and my bones were just wasting away. Mm. We think that if we don't confess and we don't say it out loud, maybe it could just go unnoticed. Mm -hmm. But his own anguish and his own personal self and his role as a king and as a representative of God just didn't work when he tried to cover it up or hide it, Mm -hmm. you know? But once he confessed, he knew God's mercy. He knew God's forgiveness. It freed him to be who he knew God created him to be Mm -hmm. when he was willing to say, yeah, I screwed up. That's what's so interesting about his confession is he confesses his sins and then he ends with praise and adoration for God. And I think that's something about confession is when we come before God and we confess our sins, it's not, oh, I'm such a failure. It's not, oh, I'm such a bad person. It's, God, your glory is so great. Jesus, your sacrifice on the cross. Look at, I'm confessing my sins and I'm speaking them out loud. And as I speak them out loud, I see even greater and even clearer picture of the burden that you bore. And I think when we don't confess our sins and we don't set aside that time and take that time, we minimize the cross and we say, oh, that's not important. Because when we come and we confess our sins, that's when the glory of the cross and the the love that Jesus has shines even brighter for us. And we understand it even more when we can speak our sins out loud. Yeah. Jesus didn't come to condemn us. I think sometimes we think, oh, confession, I'm going to feel guilty. Yeah. But the goal of confession for the believer is not to feel guilty. Mm -hmm. It's to know we're forgiven. Right. And to know the love of God. Right. So... So one question that I think gets asked a lot is, do I always have to, every time I pray, confess? You know, like if I'm standing in the supermarket and someone texts me to say like, oh, hey, can you pray for me? Do I first have to say, okay, first I got to confess all my sins in the morning and then I can come before God and pray for that person? Yeah, I know. I think that a lot of times we've sort of put acrostics together and certain rules about what prayer should look like and confessions usually at the beginning. Mm -hmm. But I think when we live our lives in tune with who Jesus is. And, you know, I think it's in First Thessalonians that says pray without ceasing. Mm-hmm. When we come prayerfully in life to God mm-hmm. and when we live in a relationship with him, which is what prayer allows us to do, 
I think that we get in the habit of confessing early in the morning, early in the day. God, forgive the things that I know about. Forgive the un the things that I don't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, unintentional sins. There was a whole sacrifice for unintentional sins mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. But forgive the things I see. Forgive the things I don't. Lead me not into temptation, mm-hmm. like what we learned about last week when Jesus taught us to pray. And then when an opportunity comes to pray or we want to just be thankful for what we see outside for the beauty of creation or pray mm-hmm. for a friend, we can live forgiven when we live with a pattern of continual confession and repentance and then not getting stuck there. It says in the New Testament that he came to give us everything we need for Mm. a life of righteousness. I don't think the most mature Christians are the ones that wallow around in sin all the time. Right. You know, we get to live forgiven Mm -hmm. and free. So does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we get to, when we confess our sins in the morning, at night, whenever, if we have a regular practice of confession in our life, it doesn't matter if we do it every time before we pray. Right. The goal is confession. And you see that even in David's Psalms. He doesn't say, okay, I'm coming first in adoration, then I've got to do my confession Mm -hmm. before I even ask you for anything. Each individual Psalm that he wrote is all over the place, but not one, even the confession psalm that we're reading this week isn't just confession right. it has it thanksgiving so much grace yeah, and, thanksgiving. and adoration yeah. and it's not just one and so when we do pray without ceasing when we um confession is just a part of our prayer life and it's a beautiful part of our prayer life it's not a part of you know being faced with our failures and being faced and covered with all this guilt it's living in this rest and freedom that Jesus bore that. And it makes the joy so much greater and the love that Jesus has for you so much greater. Yeah. I mean, that's what David says. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Hmm. Once I confess and know your forgiveness, you can restore the joy of salvation to me. That's where he wants us to live in the joy of our salvation. So good. That's so great. So one thing we wanted to do in this podcast throughout the season is we wanted you guys to share prayer stories because when I hear someone else's prayer story, it grows my face so much. And Dina, I would love to hear from you just a prayer story that has really impacted your life. Mm. Um, I think one the story that comes up for me mm-hmm. is something that happened when I was young, um, maybe in early high school or late junior high, sometime in the 70s, mm-hmm. um, back when if you wore contact lenses, they were the hard kind that kind of popped out really easily. <laughs> and my sisters and I all wore contacts. We Our contacts popped out a lot, and it seems like God helps us find our contacts often, uh-huh. which was great because there wasn't 1-800-CONTACTS. You didn't have extra ones in your cabinet, you know? Uh-huh. Um, but anyways, it was a Thanksgiving and we were playing with a Nerf football out in the backyard after dinner and yeah. somehow I got hit in the eye with a ball, which I probably, cause I wasn't that good at catching it. <laughs> and, um, my contact fell out and we were looking and praying that we'd find it. And eventually it was starting to get dark and our parents just said, you guys, you're not going to find it tonight. You're going to have to just come in. And we were, we just hmm. so wanted to believe that God wasn't going to let us down on that, you know? Right. And um, so my sister put the Nerf football right where we thought it was. And we just decided in the morning we would go out and look for it. Mm-hmm. They were the kind that didn't dry out. You could still use it if you found it the next day. Okay. And so the next morning we went out and found it, and I took a picture. And years later into adulthood, uh-huh. uh, my sister found that picture, and she sent it to me with a note on it, just a reminder that Jesus always hears our prayers. Hmm. And so as an adult, it's just this great reminder that 
you know, in the simple things of life, but the things that really mattered. Mm -hmm. God didn't just answer my prayer, but he connected to me, connected me with my sisters in a way and my brother. We were, we connected around seeing these things that, that God really answered for us. Mm. And as, so as adults, when we've had big things to pray about, you know, that foundation was really significant for us. Oh, that's so great. And you see that in David's Psalms all the time too, him pointing back mm -hmm. to things that happened in his lifetime or in his lifetime before. And those are just such great examples of God's steadfast love that he cared about your contact and he cared that you were going to remember how he found that con he helped you find yeah. that contact so yeah. many years later for sure well next week we're going to be back we're going to be uh in week three we're going to be studying thanksgiving and we're going to have Lori green with us to talk about how practicing the art of thanksgiving in her life has really helped her grow and understand and, and know god so much better so we'll be back next week thank you guys for joining us today we're looking forward to being with you next time mm -hmm.